This episode is brought to you by Paul Rudd. He's not making a new movie or promoting anything. It's just Paul Rudd. Seems like a nice guy and love to meet him. Paul Rudd. Hello, I'm Matt Montgomery. And I'm Ben Corona. And this is Flick Picks Season 2, where once again two lifelong friends come together to predict the Oscars with 100% accuracy. That's right, Season 2. The characters are more developed, the writers kind of have a better grasp on the show's identity, and they get to explore some deeper (laughs) storylines. I can't wait. You know, we got a perfect score last year. And no need to look that up. No, nope, we did. It's, yep. <laughs> just trust that we did. And we definitely did not try flushing our previous episodes down the toilet. And we're <laughs> going to do it again this year. I mean, get a perfect score, not flush the episodes down the toilet, because who would try to do that <laughs> when these episodes are digital and they're online, right? That's absurd. <laughs> that, exactly. No, uh, no need for doubt or self-reflection for either of us. If anything, we've tripled down on flick picks by putting all of our money into a high-end recording studio that we've put halfway between our homes in Detroit and LA, which puts it firmly in the small town of Marino, Colorado. It's a very real city with a population under 300 people. I looked it up. It's terribly inconvenient, and the audio honestly doesn't sound any different from last season. Uh, nope, but it was non-refundable, and the important thing is we are betting on ourselves. Absolutely, 100%. But we've been really busy in the lead-up to the new season. We did our book tour for our new book, We Won the Oscars and So Can You. We started an experimental folk jam band called The Buff Movie Buffs. I play the electric triangle. And I also play the electric triangle. We even spent time on George Clooney's yacht. It's, it's not small. No, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't say it's small. It, it, it's cozy. Exactly. Cozy. But anyways, let's get into the show. The Oscars are being held March 27th this year, which in some sick joke perpetrated by the gods also happens to be my 30th birthday. That's right. Some really great movies got nominated this year and some other great movies didn't. So uh, we thought it'd be kind of fun to start out our new season by talking about some of our favorite films we saw this past year. Uh, Yeah, I mean, as we established last year, uh, I'm a big fan of animation. And so my favorite movie of this year was Mitchell's vs. the Machines. Uh, It's it was my favorite movie and it's uh, I'm very excited for it as the future best runner up to Encanto in (laughs) the best animation category. (laughs) Uh, but you know, I, I really, uh, I really connected with the lead character, finding her creative community and her place in life. And every time I watch it, I'm just blown away by the super inventive animation, the joke heavy script and the like, just tearjerker, like, uh, coming of age family drama. Uh, and it comes from producers, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and it's gotta be kind of exhausting for them to constantly be reinventing 
the animation genre with movies like Lego Movie, Spider-Verse, and now Mitchell's vs. the Machines. So it's just been, it's just like an incredible movie, and I think more people should see it. Yeah, uh, somewhat of an unrelatable uh, story that I, uh, I watched recently was Red Rocket, which was uh, actually snubbed this year. Uh, did not receive any nominations from the Academy. Um, although I can kind of, uh, I can kind of see why, considering the uh, storyline, which um, Red Rocket is actually about um, Rex Simon stars as a uh, former washed-up porn star that uh, ends up coming home to his hometown in Texas. Mm-hmm. when he becomes desperate and uh and just kind of how his life unfolds from there and and kind of how he's really not like honestly not a likable character he's <laughs> he's an asshole and you know i kind of right you know but the the film is actually so funny and this is i'm super curious man i really want you to watch this i really um, want to see this I, I need to find it i'm just i'm just very curious about your opinion about the 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 comedy and and the writing um but i i I thought it was hilarious because i really like to describe this film to people as almost like a feature length episode of always sunny in philadelphia where (laughs) you have these very like kind of unlikable characters but because they get themselves in these these situations and and they kind of just get dumped on because of it uh it, it's just hilarious and it's right it's this very kind of specific type of comedy um but you you find like a lot of the the other characters in this world like likable and and relatable and i think that's what you can kind of hold on to um but i i think at the end of the day i really like this film because uh sean baker who also made tangerine and uh the florida project he kind of really exemplifies what i feel like filmmakers should be striving for which is trying to find these corners of the world or these corners of our reality and Mm -hmm. and and that people don't normally see and and really kind of immerse us in these worlds and and find the the common ground that we we can relate to um in terms of like the characters in these worlds but also you know just make us curious and and make us want to explore them as well and and Mm -hmm. so i think that's something that that red rocket does specifically because the um the the town that he goes back to is essentially surrounded by um you know, industrial facilities, uh, refineries, and you see like smokestacks for miles. Uh, and like, mm-hmm. you know, not, not every shot, but I would say many of the, you know, establishing shots of the neighborhood and of the house that he's living at in this movie, you see a refinery in the background and that's always looming. And, and I think this film in a very subtle way brings to light, um, what are known as sacrifice zones where people live mm-hmm. in live in areas where there's a heavy concentration of industrial facilities and essentially 
us as a society deems it okay that we kind of sacrifice these communities' uh, health, uh, you know, for the basic necessities um, that kind of keep us functioning as a society. And, you know, just in general, um, I find that this is a subject of, of importance and that more people need to be aware of uh, yeah. uh, because it, it, this is an issue that affects, you know, um, so many communities across the country. So, um, but yeah. once again, I just appreciate Sean Baker's filmmaking in terms of, you know, really um, focusing the camera on, on places that most people normally don't see. And I think that's, that's, that's just great filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, absolutely. I really, the more you talk about this movie, the more I want to see it. It's, it's one I've kind of missed, uh, on my way through this year and I, I need to, I need to go find it. Um, <laughs> do it. Yeah. And I mean, my, uh, the last movie I want to talk about is, uh, it is a comedy, but it's it's a bit of a left turn from what <laughs> from what you were just talking about. Uh, this one was one that uh, was not nominated, and it's that's because comedies generally aren't uh, by the Academy. But I really, I really wanted to talk about it because I just thought it was uh, the funniest movie of the year, and probably of the last few years for me. Honestly, is uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. And that's uh, Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo. And uh, they are the, uh, the writing team behind Bridesmaids. Uh, but in this, in this movie, they just went just buck wild with the like, silliest and most surreal comedy uh, that they could. Just, just really went all out and just did what seemed fun, fun to them. And, and really like goofy... Goofy off the wall comedies uh, like that are kind of big risks because they either really work or they really don't. If it feels like, uh, you know, it can kind of just come off feeling like just a scatterbrain, like kind of just a bunch of nothing. Uh, and I and I don't feel like that in this case, like the characters grounded the movie so well and they were just so consistently funny. The jokes hit at such a good pace. Uh, you know, it was just one of it, just funniest movie I saw all year, and uh, you know, the Academy can't take that away from me. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's on uh, it's on Hulu. Uh, might as well go watch it when you when you want to laugh, or if you want to really like confuse your your parents, you can uh, you can show them that and say like, this is my style of comedy, and then they could be like, oh, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I feel like. When I saw the trailer for that, I was like, why? Uh, it did no, not, you, I'm going to be honest, like it did not look appealing to me, but I will say I have not seen it yet. So yeah, to be see, fair, that's why you got to, that's why you got to see it. Yeah. It's, I, I get that. I like the trailer is insane. Uh, or like just, you know, those kinds of movies are really hard to, to judge without seeing them. Cause you're like, Yeah. I mean, it could very easily just be like, oh, is this like a, you know, scary movie kind of silly, like where it's just kind of right. dumb and it's like, but like, no, it's actually very, uh, it's, it's smart, silly. And I like appreciate that. So <laughs> is there any part 
in it that is depressing. Because if not, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> oh, there is a part where where uh, Morgan Freeman plays a uh, an introspective crab on a beach. So you know, I don't know if that Ooh. counts. Yeah, yeah, maybe I can cling on to that. I'll see. Um, maybe, maybe if you like, if you can find a clip of it online and send it to me, that might. Yeah, that might. Uh, no, look, you just go see it. You'll you'll be glad you did. That might hype me up. <laughs> yes, they're back. <laughs> That's right. I have the oh. official hype button for Flick Picks season. To Flick Picks Nation. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Never stop the hype. Never. And speaking of hype, uh, the last <laughs> I film love, I want to talk about, you like that transition? I love the transition. Uh, the last film I actually want to talk about is, of course, a uh, big surprise here, a documentary. And it's the <laughs> second documentary uh, that has been nominated for an Academy Award this year, which is Summer of Soul. And mm -hmm. uh, I just want to start off with uh, two major points. One, uh, Summer of Soul is a miracle of a documentary. But the second major thing I want to bring up and actually ask is, is there anything Questlove can't do? I'm just convinced <laughs> that the answer is no. No, no. <laughs> uh, after seeing this documentary, I just, I can't believe, you know, I, I, I just, uh, he's just such incredible filmmaker. Uh, and I mean, he literally saved this. I mean, the, the film is mostly made of archival footage, um, from the Harlem cultural festival that happened in 1969, which is actually the same year that Woodstock happened. And so hmm. I feel like this, this documentary is honestly, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, a clap back to all of the Woodstock documentaries that are out there. I mean, there's just so many and I feel like right, there's a lot. I, yeah. I, I feel like it's, it's kind of like, you know, every time you see like a Beatles documentary come out, you're like, Oh, okay. Another one. <laughs> uh, you know, we get it. Like, I, you know, I made it about, I made it about an hour into the, into the, that, uh, one on Disney plus and not for like totally disliking it, but I was like, Oh my God, this is this so many hours of this, <laughs> of this documentary. <laughs> I, I can't, I don't think I, I can do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like, we've seen it so many times and we've just seen it cut so many different ways. And it's just kind of like, there's really nothing fresh about it when you see a Woodstock doc, but like summer of soul, I mean, wow. It, you know, it just kind of blew me away. And, and going back to why I, why I mentioned it was like a miracle of a documentary is because, you know, qu like there was film of this, this cultural festival like shot and they had like, you know, tons of, of camera crews and stuff like that. And there was like all this documentation. Right. But mm -hmm. like after the, the festival was over the the people that that shot it tried to like you know sell it and see if anyone was interested in like broadcasting it and like no one cared 
you know, wow. and, and, and it, and so like, because no one was interested in it, it basically just got lost in the archives and it was sitting in a basement for like almost 52 years. And Jeez. yeah, yeah. Until quest love, you know, um, you know, like found it and, and started watching it and cutting it up and, and turning it into summer of soul, this documentary. And, and it, it, it's just so incredible. Um, over the years, I've just, I'm such a huge fan of, of documentaries that are able to craft such compelling stories through almost only archival footage. I think it's just so, mm-hmm. so awesome when films can do that. It, it just adds such like, texture and layers to it um right but it's so much fun i mean it's one of like the the best what i consider concert documentaries of all time and i mean like like matt you need to see this this has got to be like (laughs) i mean this has got to be like in terms of like i get it you don't watch documentaries all the time but <laughs> like this this is a fun no, documentary no, I, that you you would love because i mean you have performances from like you see everyone from like stevie wonder to the fifth dimension to yeah. sly and the family stone and it's just and you kind of almost like it's almost like rediscovering like all this music again for like the first time but you're you're able to experience it through the perspective of someone who actually attended these concerts and this festival um right and so i mean it's it's amazing everyone needs to see it and it's it's on hulu so there's no there's no excuse not to see it (laughs) no i i will see it and i mean yeah especially because you watched mitchell's versus the machines for me so i'll you know i'm gonna I gotta watch your movies too, so I'm I'm gonna. <laughs> they're on the list. I promise. I'm gonna watch them. <laughs> That's right. That's what relationships are about, Matt. That it's give and exactly. take. Yeah. <laughs> you taking a little bit more than you've given, so come on now. Right, we're gonna talk about this off mic for a second. All right, we're back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, those are some of our favorite movies of the year, and hopefully, some of them will win some stuff you know i there's still there's like a uh, a very small piece of my of hope in my heart that mitchell's versus the machines could somehow like pull an upset but i i'm not gonna get my hopes up too high uh when you're going up against three other disney pixar movies right so uh anyways i think we uh you know we start talking about the movies that actually that actually have a good chance of winning and uh which ones actually have the most buzz currently as we start getting the uh you know start seeing the nominations and and start seeing where the momentum for everything is going wait did you say momentum momentum alert yes <laughs> all the sound effects are back <laughs> all, this, all of them and also <laughs> i think we should change buzz um, you know, I think it's more appropriate to say, uh, hype. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Never gets old. I love it. Never. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. So hype, uh, the, the, uh, movies with the most hype. For sure at this point. <laughs> all right. Well, 
<laughs> I'm not going to say it again because I'm going to try to finish the sentence. But uh, it's uh, I think the two movies that were kind of being talked about the most right now are Power of the Dog and Belfast. And uh, yeah, Power of the Dog has the, the most nominations. And uh, yeah, but just remember, it does not always translate to the most wins, typically. No. And, you know, I think, yeah, and I, that's exactly right. I think that there's, you know, you usually think about whatever movie has the most nominees, like, oh, that must be a front runner for best picture. But it's really, Power of the Dog is like a real, like, dark, slow, sad like kind of intense brooding movie and i it's like very much not the kind of movie that tends to win for best picture right uh so you know i i do think that they're gonna come away with a lot uh and netflix is gonna win a, the probably the most oscars of the night because they've oh for they're sure also leading the pack with that but um yeah and Power of the Dog also, I don't, I have to look this up. I don't know if this, how common this is, but it is nominated. Somebody in each, in every acting category is nominated for that, for Power of the Dog. And I just feel like that's crazy. Yeah. And that's, and that's something I found interesting um, too. And, you know, I think like going back to the idea that like a film that is nominated for the, the most Oscars it it doesn't always translate to the most wins, but what I think it does translate into is it does give it a great shot at winning a lot of the, you know, quote unquote, bigger awards of the night. Right. Um, and I think, you know, from what I can see right now, it, it seems like it's got a really great shot at best director. And I think yep. it's got a really great shot at supporting actor, considering that, um, mm-hmm. two of the actors, uh, in in Power of the Dog, including Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith McBee, uh, are both in that acting category. So, yeah. um, you know that doesn't once again always translate to a for sure win, but it's like the odds are pretty good, uh, in that yeah. case. And I mean, I guess the tough thing is it could split the vote, but really, I think I. Th- I think Cody's probably got the edge on Jesse Plemons. I, you know, I, I think so too. Yeah. I think Jesse, Jesse Plemons is great. He's, he played, he's, he was so good as just the, the most awful, vanilla, boring, aw- terrible man to be married <laughs> to. I, I really like the, the, the amount that I just felt for uh, Kirsten Dunst's character. And Kirsten Dunst is actually married to Jesse Plemons in real life, I think. So, like, this, you know, that's I think that's pretty interesting. Uh <laughs> but um Yeah, but I think you you brought up a good point about splitting the vote too, like that um that certainly has been the case um over the years, but it's, you know, definitely something to uh to consider, but yeah, yeah. I I think Power of the Dog is um it it, it certainly got some momentum momentum alert uh going into going into the uh award ceremony. Yeah, and I I totally agree about best director. I think that's at this point probably the one I feel the most one of the, my more confident like you know predictions at this point. I, I I think is is best director for for Jane Campion. Uh, but it's uh, 
yeah, the movie that I think, you know, Power of the Dog is not, uh, doesn't feel like a traditional Oscar Best Picture winner, but the one that does is Belfast. And I think, but it's been really interesting to see because it is a movie that, uh, about Kenneth Branagh's, uh, childhood in in Belfast and it's it has this like it kind of has all the pieces that you would want to see it in or that you would expect to see in an Oscar winner it's in black and white it's it's a like a historical film but it's also you know it's it's serious but fun it it kind of toes the line it's got great performances it it's creative you know it's got it's got a lot of things going on uh that you know, it can be taken seriously, but it's also not going to like make you really sad watching it and that kind of thing. So I think that, uh, or it, at least that's from my take on it. I still haven't been able to see it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, what an original take. I wonder where you got that one from. <laughs> <laughs> from uh, coming from the guy who actually did see it. Uh, I'm sure, though, you totally did not read my letterboxd uh-huh. uh, review on it. um no no i mean yeah sure i mean but i watched the trailer too and that's kind of the also the impression that i got good enough i mean that's what i said about barb and star as well so good enough right sure sure but you know i think the the point that i was gonna make though is that i think that the you know uh belfast only had seven nominations which for a best picture is that like you know it's kind of came in with all this momentum but it's it it's sort of been slow like out the gate when when it comes to like these bigger awards and i i think it's gonna be interesting to see how things move and if they're able to like pick up some more steam over time but uh yeah i think belfast and power of the dog definitely like the top two movies that we're probably going to be talking about when it comes to some of the bigger awards yeah for sure and yeah i mean i i think it is just both of them are kind of powerhouse films right now and um i i think it will be interesting i think the situation right now in terms of best picture slot are still is is still quite fluid but um yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how this one plays out for sure um but you know there's there's kind of another film making waves this season for you know award ceremonies in general but especially the oscars which is the film drive my car right um i mean it's it's kind of impressive i mean it was nominated for best director best picture best international picture and best adapted screenplay right and i feel like the last time that i mean we really haven't seen that since uh parasite that kind of like right exactly from from an international film so yeah i mean it's really like i i it won some category i can't remember that the the name of the award but it 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 won in this one uh, like competition just outright and so they didn't even have an international category because it won just best picture overall and it, it yeah it's just really like moving at, at a big you know pace i don't it doesn't seem like at this point that it's got the like push that parasite had to win best picture but it's like 
very much a a clear like front runner for best international and maybe a couple other awards who knows yeah and i mean on top of that it's also impressive that it's the first time a japanese film has gotten a best picture nomination as well right so that that carries a lot of weight to it um not necessarily saying that that will translate into you know a win but um like you said i certainly think that uh that that definitely makes you think about how it's it's going to pick up at least you know best international but probably maybe a couple other awards too depending but right and you and there's that other movie that that other international movie uh that i think was from denmark uh, the worst person in the world that is also right. that like has also gotten like a good amount of of attention but it does kind of just seem like even with that that drive my car just has um which is about a a widower actor and his relationship with his chauffeur it, it just it's just picked up so many awards so far that it just seems like hard to slow down uh a movie that's like yeah just got already going so hard <laughs> you mean a movie that has so much momentum <laughs> He said it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and for everyone, anyone that's interested, uh, it will be coming to HBO Max on March 2nd. And I know I will be watching it as soon as it comes I will out. Also, I will also be watching it. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, but yeah. And uh, so that's, I think that's a really big one. And another category that I think early on seems like it's, it's, uh, it's got a clear front runner. and. Um, another one that I think another movie that, that, uh, that we've been looking at is that's kind of making some, some big waves in multiple categories is Flea, uh, which is an animated documentary about a man's, a man telling his experience of escaping Afghanistan. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of breaking, um boundaries in a, in a lot of different ways i mean it's you know nominated for best documentary best animated film and best international film and it's pretty impressive because i do believe it is the uh first film in oscar history to get all three of those nominations right at once exactly and yeah uh and you know, it kind of reminds me too of years ago when I saw the film uh, Waltz with Bashir. And that actually came out in uh, 2008, but it was a hybrid animated documentary. Mm-hmm. And um, I, believe, I believe that only walked away though with a Best International um, nomination, but it was still pretty impressive considering it was also um, animated. And uh, I think the only other film to do something similar in terms of being animated and nominated for Best International was And the Missing Picture back in 2013. So, um, interesting. you know, it, it, it's definitely, uh, you know, groundbreaking for a few different reasons, but it, it's quite impressive that it picked up all three of those nominations. Now, having like... Have you having seen some of the other 
nominees for best documentary like Summer of Soul and and uh, Attica. Do you think that that Flea having kind of this sort of crossover uh, category like appeal is 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 kind of the uh, going to be the documentary front runner, or do you think uh, some of the other ones could? could still be competitive because i i would i have to imagine that like voters that see a movie in other categories that they're not expecting to see it in will kind of you know are more likely to be like oh that's cool you know i don't yeah yeah and (laughs) i don't have a lot of confidence in (laughs) yeah and to be to be fair at this point i have not actually seen flea um, and right. as I mentioned, I, I haven't either. It's on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, so I can watch it. Yeah. And, uh, that's definitely my homework before we record any more episodes, but, yes. um, you know, uh, you know, I just want to say be, to be fair, like I have not seen flea yet, but, um, it does appear that it does have the most momentum momentum alert and, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I and I can't speak to like anything about like the film in particular, like I said, but um, it does appear that it's getting a lot of buzz or as we like to say around here, hype. <laughs> oh, my God. And <laughs> uh, never stop the hype, Matt. And, oh um, you know, as much as, you know, and I'm I'm pretty biased because, as I've mentioned, I as I mentioned, I already saw Summer of Soul and Attica, and I, I think they're just such incredible films. So right. um, my, my, my personal uh, favorites are definitely leaning towards more of those, but um, it, I, I think you're right that the Academy will look at Flea, seeing that they're nominated across three different categories that no other film has been nominated for at once with those same categories, uh, you know, that gives it weight. And I think, you know, it, it, it could be too, where like sometimes Academy voters, some of them don't watch the films and look Gasp. just, just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as if that's uh breaking news. Uh, unfortunately it may be to some, but yeah. Uh, and as you kind of said, it's like just seeing that across three different categories, I think, you know they're they're going to be very well, interested in in you know hopefully actually watching it but well i'm i'm interested too because it feels like the ultimate crossover of our movie tastes it, it is both a, an animated and it's it's a, like a a sad documentary uh, that's true so, you know, i feel like this is i think i feel like this is like a captain planet moment and it's like with <laughs> our powers combined, Earth, <laughs> you get <it>. wind, <laughs> fire. Like I, I feel Anim- like that's animation. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's us like coming together. Yes, and making a uh, visually interesting and depressing documentary. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I, I love it. All right, so uh, yeah, for our next cat- for our next category, we wanted to also talk about. Since the nominees came out, some of the snubs and surprises that we've seen uh, in the nomination process, and uh, yeah, there's some there's some really interesting ones. I think generally we were both pretty happy with the with the nominees as they were. I think you know definitely a couple that 
could have gone different ways that we would have been happy to see. But I, I think, you know, not as egregious of, of like a, a thing as it, as it kind of has been in past years. So, right. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the first category for me that, that stood out was best cinematography this year. And really to me, I, when I saw the nominees, I immediately thought Belfast was snubbed. Snubbed. Right. That's right. Season two, folks. Flick uh-huh. Picks Nation out there. We have new sound effects. You just, you just heard the snubbed. <laughs> but I do believe Belfast was snubbed from this category. And I mean, it's in black and white. How, how did it not get nominated? <laughs> well, here's, That's my, like... <laughs> here's my theory. Although it definitely contradicts past decision making from the Academy. But this is my theory is that when you look at the nominees this year, yeah. it's tough because honestly, they're all good. And I'm not saying none of these belong in there or there's like a clear outlier of any sort. But just for right. my personal taste and for my personal opinion, um, you know, when I looked at, at, at the nominees, I saw the tragedy of Macbeth on there and that's also black and white. And I just felt yep. at some point Academy members might've been like, we can't have two black and white films <laughs> in the same category. That's, oh, that's ridiculous. No. But, then, but then to go back to the, what I had mentioned earlier about um, their past decision-making contradicting that logic is back in 2018 when Roma and Cold War were both in the same category for best cinematography. And so right. it's not unheard of to have like two films that are black and white, but I just felt when I watched Belfast this year, the cinematography was, I mean, the whole film was great and it was just like everything about it was just really well done and it was just a great film through and through but what really struck me about it was the cinematography and it really felt like every frame looked like a painting and just every image was so just well composed and the lighting was incredible and and yeah. i just i just really you know just had a you know a visceral uh, connection to that film in terms of its cinematography so i was really disappointed when it didn't make the cut this year. Um, totally. But once again, not to, not to put down any of these other films because they all, the cinematography was in, incredible in all these films. I mean, Dune was awesome. It, you know, really the way the cinematography kind of blended. Yeah, it was the best, best part of the movie to, for me. It was the, was just how, this it looked incredible yeah well it's just the way too that the cinematography like blended the actual actors and and the the practical sets they had with like the visual effects and that seamless blending i mean just really brings the film together and it really really grounds it and, and makes it believable and i think that was you know that was a great achievement that yeah. that film accomplished yeah and i i mean i totally agree and i i also thought uh tragedy of macbeth on kind of on the other side of things with the like such so much smaller space that was used in with the the cinematography but the like i thought the shots 
they just blew me away. The lighting was so, I mean, somebody give that Gafford award that <laughs> I, yeah. I loved the, I loved the lighting of it. And it was, uh, I will say I, I don't, I, my gut is kind of saying that not enough voters are going to be, get, be like into Macbeth, uh, as a movie for it to like win that many awards. So like my gut gen- just generally like it's, I don't know. I think it could, it, it, it very well could like deserve to win, but I don't, I don't know that it will. And then the other one that I, the one I was surprised to see and just in general, I surprised to see is so nightmare alley is on this Guillermo del Toro and it's, yeah, the cinematography is great, but I was just generally surprised that it was nominated with for as many things as it was. I, I think yeah. I just, I just was not expecting that and I'm, I'm happy for him. You know, he he's clearly the Academy likes him, uh, you know, since they he won Best Picture for Shape of Water a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, I just it, it it surprised me. But but like a good surprise. <laughs> yeah. And it's tough. You know, I think the best cinematography category is is quite fluid right now, just because I mean, yeah. like you said, all of these films deserve to be here. And, you know, if Belfast was in this category, I would have said that that's a shoe in, but you know, at, at this moment, I, you know, and once again, cinematography was great and nightmare alley and I like nightmare alley in general as a film. Uh, but right to me, the two that stand out in the category currently as is, and you know, full disclosure still have not seen the tragedy of Macbeth yet. Um, mm-hmm. but to me, what stands out is Dune and West side story. And, you know, Dune for the reasons I mentioned earlier, but West Side Story, I was blown away by the cinematography, honestly. I was Uh super impressed. I mean, the opening shot is one long take, and Mm. it really just immerses you in the world that West Side Story takes place, and you're just kind of, you know, at the opening shot, you're kind of just hovering over these 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 old apartment buildings that are kind of being uh torn down and then the camera just kind of glides through this this area and and these communities and it you know it it just really immerses you in in the world and the environment and you know from there and the rest of the film you know it's not all one long take or anything but it uses a lot of really long takes throughout and to me it's not only impressive from like a cinematography standpoint but really because they decided to to do the cinematography in this way where the camera is kind of constantly floating in the film it really enhances the the musical numbers and 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 the choreography that went into the dance sequences and it really let the the actors and dancers shine. And I think that mm. was really incredible is when, you know, not only the cinematography is great, but it really uplifts and, and really enhances the, the performances uh, of all the actors in the film too, as well. So, right. um, so to me, those are the two standouts as I currently see it, but yeah, uh, I, I see that. I, I, I would maybe also 
throw out, throw power of the dog in as just a as like maybe a dark horse that I just feel like but I would tend to agree I especially I would probably personally lean towards Dune at this point but uh it seems like the one that and maybe like visual effects that it would that it would yeah. win but West Side Story is is going to be one that's really interesting because it picked up a good amount of awards but it is a as a direct remake of another of a past movie like i do think that that ends up hurting it in a lot of categories except i except for acting i think acting is one where we could definitely see some some awards but i i do see that as like uh a hurdle uh that you know, people are like, well, well, there was, they did, there was another movie, even if, right. which, which I think is not a fair criticism because right. it's like they took, they took it and, you know, like you were saying, like did their own thing with it. Yeah. But, it's, but I would argue, I, I, I would, yeah. I would say that that's, that's, that's correct. But I would argue too, though, that cinematography is one of the categories it still could win, even though yeah. it won't win much because you're right, it is a remake. But I would say, right. You know, in terms of cinematography, I I think I could see that being neck and neck with Dune, with or, Dune. or or another film that could become the the front runner for this category. So right. um, I I would say yeah. don't don't uh, don't count it out either. But yeah, it's still right. as I said, quite fluid. Yeah, for sure. No, I I I totally agree. Um, yeah, and uh, I think the other the other category that we were that we wanted to talk about was uh best actress which which definitely had some some surprises i think uh the one of the most interesting sagas has been uh Kristen Stewart's uh performance for Spencer which picked up a lot of momentum early on in the in the pro- process but then uh didn't win some key awards including that the movie getting totally left out of the baftas yep uh which was you know kind of funny uh <laughs> yeah that and, that's pretty shocking honestly and kind of sad <laughs> but you know so yeah and but then it was like there's uh you just kind of would yeah you you it it was so it was kind of a surprise and wasn't it was kind of unclear where things were gonna go for for Kristen Stewart and you know personally my feelings on Spencer it, it's it's a tough movie to to like talk about because it's like the I think Kristen Stewart did a really good job but I think like she really like put herself in it but the the direction of where the character like how the character was portrayed I just feel like was so weird Mm. and I it's just such a I it's so it's such a strange movie to talk about and I don't I like every time I think about it, I think something like else about it. Uh, Interesting. But I, I, I would say I don't. It was like one of those that I think got a lot of uh, of hype for maybe being like a shoe in for best actress. But I, I kind of think it's lost that. But I guess we'll see where things go. Yeah, I, I have not seen it yet, and I am curious. Just from all the mixed reviews I've heard about it. And 
Yeah, it, it seemed, I think when I first heard about it, I, I thought, wow, yeah, it should be a shoe-in for Kristen Stewart in terms of, you know, playing like this this role. But yeah, it, it just, just from everything I've heard about it, it seems like it's, you know, it, it's just not where it should be in terms of like all the other elements in the film. It's, you know, beside, it's her, much, beside her performance. Well, I will say, yeah, the movie as a whole is is not a traditional Oscar movie, I would say, in, in kind of in any form. So that's it's it's just there. There's some really like strange choices made. Uh, it's it's the same director as uh, that did Jackie with um with Natalie Portman, but which I think she did win for that. Um, oh, interesting. But. I I think at this point I would be surprised, but I also don't know that I see another performance in here that I I, I still have to see some of the other movies. I really liked Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter. I don't think she'll win. Nicole Kidman kind of has a bit of like it, it's a it's more of an Oscar movie. It's it's right. a historical figure that somebody is playing and you know yeah, that was I think in that's the, like a in the TV industry. So yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. It's about Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. So I I agree. I think Nicole Kidman perhaps has the edge at this at this moment. Right, uh, playing Lucille Ball. For, yeah. yeah, being the Ricardos. Yeah, yep. And uh, I'm I'm kind of like I'm only half surprised at Olivia Coleman getting nominated, and uh, well. I'm not, Everyone, I'm not. The Academy apparently loves Olivia. Coleman yeah. I'm, well, and, and, I'm not surprised because, <laughs> you know, I haven't seen the lost daughter yet, but Olivia Coleman's always really solid in terms of mm-hmm. acting. And, you know, so I'm not, not surprised on that front. And I think you're right. She's becoming like an Oscar darling pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. But right. Ever since she like s- s- surprised the world with, uh, beating out Glenn close yep. for, uh, uh, you know, a few years ago when everyone was like, this is Glenn's year. Yep. Yep. And just, <laughs> and everyone was like, nope. <laughs> totally upset everyone. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, but like the, the surprise comes with the lost daughter as the, you know, in terms of the film as a whole. Um, I heard yeah. a lot of mixed stuff. I, once again, that's another weird one. Yeah. I, I haven't I saw say. it, but yeah. like <laughs> most people I've talked to that have watched it, they have said that it, they weren't, huge fans of it they thought olivia coleman was good in her role but they they weren't nece- they didn't necessarily like the film as a whole so right um, i i think i personally really liked it but i do also having seen it under it's it does make some strange choices and i it's like that one and spencer are both weird movies in their own way it didn't really work for me as much in spencer as it did work for me in uh the lost daughter but both of them are ones that I would be surprised if they got actually won very many awards. But uh, also, yeah. like Penelope Cruz ending up in this category, right. I mean, that's a surprise too. Yeah, I mean, I have not seen Parallel Mothers, but you know, still, I, I, you know, I feel like that was kind of out of left field, at least in terms of people like predicting that she would end up in this category. I don't think many did if any at all but yeah so that makes it really interesting and that kind of also leads to like 
you know, I'm there's like two big I I don't know if I would, you know, call them snubs because I haven't seen these performances, but certainly uh a surprise that both Jennifer Hudson playing Aretha Franklin uh in the film Respect and right. Lady Gaga in House of Gucci uh, both not being nominated. Yeah, yeah, I mean, everyone kind of predicted, I think, or really, really thought that they were going to end up in this category, and they just didn't. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching the trailer for for Respect and just being like, Oscar, like, right? It, it's it should have been. It feels so like tailor made for an Oscar exactly. win. It's it's a a beloved like like historical figure uh, and like. It's yeah, it's the kind of thing that it just, you know, uh, Renee Zellweger won just a, uh, was it last year, two years ago for uh, playing Judy Garland. And uh, yeah, it, it's just it, it, it made a lot of sense. And uh, right. and then, yeah, for for Lady Gaga, I, you know, I've not seen House of Gucci. It sounds like she what like her performance was the best part as from what i've heard but it's it also i i personally i feel kind of bad for her because she apparently just went full method on this movie and like was fully in character for nine months making this movie and she like she was made it very clear that she really wanted an oscar Ugh. for this for for house of gucci and it just and for her to like, and she won a couple of other awards that are, or not one, but she was nominated for a couple other awards that are like signifiers for the Oscars. So yeah, it just, she just kind of, just to not get there at this, after like putting so much into it, I just, it was, I, yeah, I think that was definitely uh, a surprise that, that uh, for her to, that she didn't get the nomination. Yeah. And I guess like, I don't know. To me, too, though, that that's like a another movie where it's like because it didn't really work as a whole, it's just not going to get any love from the Academy because, you know, as you know, like I said before, I haven't seen it. But if what people say about it is true in terms of Lady Gaga's performance, like and if it was good, then that probably was like the best part about the film. And right. like it, it sounds like everyone else had terrible performances. I mean, I saw <laughs> like a clip online of a scene with Jared Leto in it, and right, it, I mean, he literally just sounded like he was doing, you know, a Mario impression from the right, video just like games. a really offensive, yeah, like just Italian very, accent, yeah, yeah, just like a very like stereotypical accent. He just, it just looks like he's overacting and it just looks bad so once again full disclosure <laughs> haven't seen the haven't seen the whole film but from the little i have seen it looks really bad so <laughs> i i i will probably eventually see it when it's not a ridiculous price to rent like 25 dollars right. or whatever Wait, it is what? yeah <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah i i it's Work with us a little bit, like <laughs> very much a cash grab, very much a cash grab. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So that I mean, but that's gonna be that's gonna be another really interesting category, and I think 
I'm I'm very I'm very curious to see where the where things go with the SAG awards that will really like give uh us more of a view on where things are heading but uh yeah no it's it's uh things are going it's happening and uh it's some weird stuff is going on so <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> yeah and speaking of weird stuff I. <laughs> uh, we are yes, actually transition. Yeah, <laughs> we are actually uh changing the format of the podcast for this season. That's true. That's true. The the system that we've tried and true tested for one year uh or <laughs> one season is uh is is uh, ready for a change up. <laughs> yeah, and don't worry Flick Picks Nation. Just put all your faith into us like you normally do. And yep. we promise you that this change will be for the better. Exactly. Last year, we bundled a lot of the nominees together into bigger episodes. Uh, but after this episode, we're going to be doing shorter individual episodes where, where that cover individual categories. So, you know, we just thought it would be a better way to organize the nominees and give us a little a chance to talk a little bit more in depth with uh, with each one. So. Uh, so next next week you'll get we'll uh put out our first category our first episode about our first category and we'll start to as the um you know as we start making our predictions we'll put out individual uh episodes that talk about each category yeah we also thought this was a good way to to make our podcast a bit more accessible for people out there in terms of you know if you just you already have your mind set on on certain categories and you feel like you're going to you're going to nail it but you're kind of uncertain about others then you can kind of feel free just to to you know sift through the different episodes and kind of just uh listen to the episodes that make sense for you yeah but then still go back and listen to the other ones cuz they're all going to be great uh yeah. you know no no skips no uh, don't don't <laughs> don't be that person do not be that person that <laughs> skips uh no skips allowed um, no skips. Uh, locals only yeah, so- <laughs> uh and uh never stop the heights well uh on that note <laughs> i think uh i think we're we're about out of time i'm getting the light yeah so thanks so much for listening flick picks nation and we'll be back next week for some flawless oscar predictions as always, you can check in with us on our blog at flickpicksblog.wixsite.com or on our Facebook page. And this has been Flick Picks. See you again soon. Oh, hold on. Clooney's texting me again. <sighs> He's so needy. He said he wants to know if we liked his yacht. I'm, I just, I don't want to lie to him. Just don't respond. Pretend like you didn't get it. No, I, I, but I have, I have read receipts on. He knows I saw it. I've, I'm, I'm just gonna send the thumbs up emoji. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> <laughs>